Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Six and Out podcast. I'm Craig. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm joined here uh, again. We have the trio back together. Um, Brett, thanks for joining us. How was your vacation, mate? Yeah, g'day, guys. Uh, it was absolutely beautiful. A little bit too short for my liking, but uh, if you ever get a chance to head over to Fiji, I strongly recommend it. Beautiful part of the world and uh, super, super friendly people. Good, good. Yeah, Arnie kind of teased last week. He was saying uh, Bula Bula was uh, how you are greeting everybody these days. So uh, the big reveal. Yeah, pretty much. On Fiji. Very good. Uh, and Arnie, you're with us too. Arnie, you look like you're in a, a much more pleasant location compared to what we were talking about last time. Oh, that's right. Uh, life is uh, a lot more comfortable, I'd say. I have a few more freedoms. Um and uh, yeah, I, I'm pleased to say I got my bag. Re- uh, I found my bag, and it's uh, returned home That's with all the important contents that keep me um, civilized. So that means we don't have to name and shame the airline like we promised last time. That's uh, that's a great. Result. Uh, uh, yeah, well, you, you could, but I think that was part of the deal, right? You wouldn't name and shame them uh, by the next podcast if all that stuff returned. So yeah, all good. Well, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. I, I my update is that I have been coming out the the other end of COVID, um, which is kind of, uh, I guess it gives you a nice positive look on life because you appreciate the little things, um, being able to get out of the house and being able to actually feel better and stuff like that. So um, I- I'm taking that as a positive spin at the moment. Uh, okay, so uh, what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the Asia Cup, which is right around the corner. So um, we will delve into some of the things about um, we'll focus on India, we'll focus on Pakistan, um, all the teams in Group B, and then maybe get into some uh, predictions as well. So um, I think it would probably be remiss of us if we didn't start with Group A. Given any time you, you have a, a Pakistan-India encounter right around the corner, that seems like the best place to start. So why don't we pick up with uh, probably, would you agree, the favourites in India uh, and, and have a look at their squad? Yeah, it's uh, they're uh, like uh, well, pretty much all of these countries. They've they've fielded what's pretty close to a dress rehearsal squad for the T Twenty World Cup. So they're they're almost full strength. The the sort of notable admission being uh, Bumrah, who struggling with a, a back injury at the minute, but it the squad is basically any sort of as we come to know from any. Indian squad. It's just super well balanced. You're going to start with with Rohit leading from the front at the top of the order. Be interesting to see where they go uh, with with some of the options they've got in there. Their batting lineup. Probably expect KL Rahul to to pair him at the top of the order and followed pretty quickly by by Coley and uh, Sky, who uh, I think we're probably all on the same page expecting a. A pretty big tournament out of him. He's risen pretty quickly to number two in the world in the the T20 batting ranks, and uh, this could be, for his perspective, the the tournament on a, a national stage that he really sort of stamps his mark on on international cricket. Yeah, I think they probably have the most established. And we can get in and talk about Virat Kohli and his form, which is probably really the only question mark that they have in their top six or seven when you think about it. You mentioned Sharma and Rahul. The only question mark around Rahul is whether you 
seek to bring somebody like a Rishabh Pant up earlier? I mean, that's really the only question mark you have around the, the openers. Then Vera Kohli, his struggles recently have been well documented, but it's still Vera Kohli, so you, you have him in the team. Sky has been yeah. in incredible form. Um, Pandya is, is almost walks into that team. And really only we, when you get down through Sharma, Rahul, Kohli, you had to have Pant and Sharma, which is an incredible top six. Do you really, I think, get to the the decision-making that needs to happen around the kind of pitches that are going to be in place in, in UAE? Yeah. Because you, you have decisions to be made around Jadeja, Ashwin, and then Chahal. And I, see, I saw Ravi Bishnoi was in the, in the team, so they do have plenty of spin options. And then a couple of younger seamers with, with Boomer being out, as you said. So um, on the before we get to, to the middle order, I, I guess, do you have any doubts that somebody like a like a Virat would would be out of this team later in the uh in the group stages or in the super four if he doesn't perform in the uh in the initial group stages? No. Not at all. They would be insane to <clears throat> to drop him. Like like you said, his uh his struggles have been well sort of catalogued, but his ultimately he's still in the top probably three batsmen in the world comfortably. You don't take that uh, risk and leave him out of the side in my books, particularly when, like I know they've got a lot of match winners, but he's a genuine match winner. And I'm pretty strong on, I reckon he's going to bounce back in a, a pretty strong way in this tournament, use this to springboard himself into a big few months with the, well, obviously then the T20 World Cup coming up. I think his only risk is if he does fail in the Asia Cup, it starts to raise a bigger question mark for the T20 World Cup. He'll 100% be on the plane to Australia, but if he's had four or five chances or four chances in the, the Asia Cup to do his thing and still hasn't, then maybe there's a question mark there on whether or not he holds his place in the 11 for the T20 World Cup. Yeah, I agree with you with uh, Virat Kohli, although I'll slightly deviate by saying he's been, I don't know, out of form for what I would consider quite a long time. And I, I get it. He's a superstar. I get it. He's also got a lot of political pull and connections and all that sort of stuff. But I think you're right. He'll get Guernsey through the Asia Cup. But And the bit I do agree with you is also is if he's not uh, – he continues to sort of be a bit lacklustre through the Asia Cup, I think it probably gets to that point where there is just enough on the plate to, 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 to bring that question and, and go beyond that because at the end of the day, if uh, India's backs are against the wall in the T20 World Cup, is uh, one man and his selection greater than the uh, the country's hopes winning a World Cup? That's just sort of my point of view. And I think how much pull does that guy really have? Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how much can he continue that pull, pulling power? Yeah. I think maybe when backs, backs to the wall, it might be different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. If, if, if Sky wasn't in the form that he was in, if, if Pant has been in incredibly good form, I think if there were other players not performing there and you were consistently getting 
three, four, five wickets down for not a ton of runs, it might be a little tougher of a decision. But I think I think Brett is right. I think he actually has carte blanche until next year. Um, mm. I, th- I think he he gets in that team even through the World Cup, even if he's struggling, because the Indian team have built towards always built towards World Cups. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to make a rash decision right at this moment in time. And for, the thing is, anybody coming into that squad, especially I, I, he will go to the World Cup in in October and November. There's no question about mm. that. Anybody who was to come in and replace him would be facing quite a bit of pressure and expectation to fill the boots of. Probably that one of, arguably their best batsmen they've ever produced. Um, so mm. yeah. it would be a, it would be I a trend. Looking at their their squad, Pandya back bowling and in the form that he's in balances out that side almost perfectly. Where it pretty well for me in their top six or seven just becomes a choice between either KL Rahul at the top of the order or Dinesh. Kartik coming in at, at six or seven. Like, they've got some options there if they... I would probably keep Raul at the top of the order and have Coley at three, but they could go the other way and let Coley open with Sharma like they mm. did when uh, Raul was out at the side and yeah. sort of keep that spot open for DK, who they've kind of groomed into that finisher role mm. uh, that he played so well for RCB in the IPL. And uh, there's basically been picked purely in that finisher role in T20 internationals for India since. Yeah, he he had a fantastic. I forget how good an IPL he had. It was fantastic. He had very very good IPL, and RCB were in enough holes that he dug them out of um, to to win matches actually. So yeah, they they have options. Look, looking at the at the all rounder slot. You think Hardy Pandey is the only name that's kneeled on that team sheet from a, an all-rounded perspective? Yeah, well, for me, yeah. I, I think their side's pretty easy to pick. Like I've got, particularly considering the spinning conditions that they're likely to, to face, um, I'd be probably only playing two seamers and Pandya is the third seamer. Um, filling out the rest of the side and going pretty spin heavy. Go Jadeja, Ashwin, and Chahal all in the side with with Kumar and Ashdeep uh, as as the two seamers. I think I'm I think I'm with you on that one. I think the only yeah. I I, I think there there may be occasions against certain opposition you may go for well actually. I I don't th- I actually don't think that they will often go away from that because Boomer is not available. Um, yeah. I just think because Arshdeep and Bashkan are still quite raw talents, to have both of them in in the side is a big a big call to make. If you had Boomer in there, or even uh, I know Shami is not not in the squad, but Shami was in there, you would have an you would have an argument where you would have three potentially top yeah. class seamers with Abashka, yeah. Abashkan and. And our, and our steep saying, I think you need that extra. I mean, Jadeja is a, is a very handy, decent spinner. Ashwin is a top quality spinner. Chahal is a top quality spinner, and Jadeja yeah. and Ashwin give you runs. So I, I think it's I think it's easy as well. Actually, come to think of it. Yeah. So so that's where it starts. That's where we you run out of spots pretty quickly for 
man, because what if we've got Pandia at six? What's that giving us? Jadeja at seven, Ashwin eight, Kumar nine, Ashdeep ten, and uh, Chahal eleven. That that really does leave DK or Raul fighting for one spot in the eleven. So, Arnie, if there's a concern about this India team, or it's very, very strong on paper, what what concerns to them winning the Asia Cup would you have, if any? Um, it's a it's a rock star side. Um, I think the concerns we kind of raised it before is Coley's form. Um, I also think that um, I, th- I think the no brain a bit, but it still might exist, is because they are such a rock star team. And on paper and, and in practice, there might be a tiny bit of complacency, although I think that Pakistan have shown their hand um, in beating them that one time in the in last year's World Cup. So they perhaps won't want to suffer the same um, result. But it, it, I, I don't know, that side just looks so good. Like you've got such a good dilemma where, yeah, you, just, you don't even know where to put people like Arshdeep Singh and and Avesh Khan, Vishnoi might even miss us. You know, they might miss spots. Um, and I, as um, Brett was mentioning, you know, are you going to struggle to fit in DK? I, I know I'm struggling to find real holes with this team um, other than, yeah, Coley. Uh, Coley's form continues to um, well, be flat and perhaps a bit of complacency. Um, not saying that Hong Kong will beat, <laughs> beat them on the door. Not even on the day, but yeah, that, that's my two things: um, Coley's form and complacency, mate. What about you, Brad? Yeah. Do you have any any concerns at all? My, my only one, like they're looking down the whole list, they're comfortably the most balanced side, I think, in the in the tournament. But uh, I guess my concern for them is potentially around. There's been a bit of talk about the way that they're trying to reinvent their their strategy and their the way that they play the game to be a bit more aggressive, particularly up front. And at times it's they've struggled a little bit with it. Like it's not necessarily the natural game of someone like Kale Rahul who likes to set himself to bat through the innings. It does create a little bit of risk that if they go hard and they all go hard in the top four or five, they they can lose some wickets in bunches. Did see mm-hmm. that a little bit in in England, mm-hmm. with uh, but that was more with the ball swinging around. So I don't think they're going to have that too much of an issue with that in uh, in the Asia Cup. But that's probably my one concern is just they them still coming to terms with the the game style they want to play uh, come October over here in Australia. That's interesting. How, uh, for, sorry, Craig. Um, just out of interest, how long have uh, have they been um, practicing this 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 game plan or this game style? Um, you wouldn't want to be changing it now, I guess. But how long has it been? You reckon? It, it's probably been a little while. Definitely through their their sort of last few T Twenty series, like they came to England, they were pushing mm. for that, and, it, and it's right the way through their white ball setup. It's a little bit of a take a page out of the the England playbook and 
play that uh, aggressive style of, of cricket and try and get on the front foot. They've always been a bit more traditional pace the innings, fairly controlled early and then sort of try to, to finish strong. But they're, I think they're, they're realising that uh, the best teams um, have that extra gear and can go yeah. with controlled aggression uh, right from the get-go. Yeah, the, the two names that stick out for me as being in the mould of the likes of Butler and Berstow and Roy and those guys who, who did who did all of, of the destructive batting for England are really Sharma and Pant. I don't view Rahul in that way. I don't view Virat Kohli in that way, even though he can be destructive. It, it's not overpowering the opposition. I don't view Sky in that way. Pandya always seemed to me more like a let's bring a steady to the innings and and I'm gonna gonna grind you down rather than blast you away. So, yeah, I, I can see why it would be tough to to deploy that. Um, if, if Sharma and Pant get going, then it's it's a no brainer. Yeah. You're you're not winning any game if they get going. Yeah, I mean, like you say, controlled aggression. You're rolling the dice a bit, but a little bit controlled. And if you get off to that just blistering start, you you've almost written your your ticket, your your, your yeah your ticket to victory, and. Um, I guess teams like England want to roll the dice and maybe they've got it right. But, yeah, if they're not informed, then who do you turn to? And, like, you've got for India there. You've made some really good points. Um, Do you reckon they'll roll the dice? They'll probably give it a red-hot go in the Asia Cup, but do you reckon they'll pull back on that if it doesn't work out for them? Nah, from the sounds of things with the the changeover with uh, Dravid coaching and Sharma's, like, under Sharma's captaincy, it does sound like it's a very concerted effort to to be a bit more positive and play positive cricket like they were still even with their their old method they would still score plenty of runs but i think they're they're just chasing a little bit more explosiveness throughout the innings and i think they've got it in spades like cracked right the guys like sharma and pant there they're sort of right up there in terms of the most explosive batsman in the world. Sky, I think, does have that gear. I don't think it's quite where he likes to be, but he's shown well, more than glimpses. He's shown some pretty prolonged flashes and played some innings where he'd go at nearly sort of strike rates 170, 180 and, and hit the ball into, I guess, unorthodox places as well, which uh, makes it hard for the opposition. He he played right. one of one of the best innings I've probably seen in in a T Twenty international for quite a while against England. He scored a century. Yeah, um, yeah, that was phenomenal. It was phenomenal and, and really made. Uh, it was one of those innings where it made the opposition look like they had completely run out of ideas of what to do about him, um, which is is probably going to be a problem for others in, in the competition. We'll get to our golden ball and our golden bat predictions maybe a little later on um are we are we ready to close the book on india and maybe move on to pakistan a little bit yeah yeah let's yeah. do it so let's move on to pakistan who, who i i think are are the only the only real question as to whether india are going to win this asia cup or not uh we'll obviously got on to, to group b in a little a little while but if you were talking about a an international team who were coming in um, well gelled, I think is probably the, the best way to to express it. They have played so, because 
their players generally don't play a lot of franchise cricket. They're not in the IPL. They played a lot of international cricket together. And when you look at their their squad, at the very top, you have Babar. At the very top, you have Rizwan, who have just seemed to be batting together. Rizwan's been a lot of time in, a little time in England, but have been batting together as, in, as a T20 pair for a long, long time. Um, do you think that their Pakistan's chances rest more heavily on Babar and Rizwan uh, versus you know the individual batters of India, say? Yeah, I think yeah. You, you've nailed it there. There, basically, the Pakistan and as good as they are and as good as they have been, they they do still rely very heavily on that ultra-successful duo of uh, Babar and, and Rizwan and for, for good reason. Like, they've both performed exceptionally well, but uh, it does still have that little bit of an air, particularly when you start to look through their middle order. Once you get down past sort of three, four, does have a little bit of that air of if you can find a way to get Babar and Rizwan out, then you're a chance to to roll through them. Yeah, there's uh, I don't know too much about Pakistan side, I must admit, but there is, um, I mean, you look at the two team sheets, India and Pakistan, Pakistan seems to have that, um, lack of better word, that sense of vulnerability, um, I guess, in their order. So, yeah, you're right. Um, apart from the fact they played a lot of international cricket together, which you don't want to discount because... Um, understanding each other and knowing when to switch gears and all that, I think that's really important. Playing like a genuine team, it's not a bunch of individuals, right? You've got to play like a team. That's still really important. But, yeah, there's uh, again, I can't say that I know the team very well, um, but just there's still that sense of vulnerability with Pakistan. Although although, in, although we said India favourites, I still would like to think Pakistan a bit of a dark horse to win this Asia Cup. Yeah. Sorry, I've jumped the gun a bit there, guys, but... Um, that's my prediction. If I've jumped the gun, but uh, yeah, I just think Pakistan are a bit bit vulnerable. Like if they lose one of the two star batters, I'm not sure where the runs are coming from. Yeah. yeah. How much of that do you reckon is because they don't like compared to some of the sides like India? We see all their players through the IPL, and they play a hell of a lot of international cricket. But how much of that do you reckon? is just due to a, a bit of a lack of exposure across the, the wider cricketing world on some of these players. Like, um, obviously, everyone knows Baba, everyone knows Mohamed Rizwan, everyone knows a lot of their bowling attack. But uh, I just wonder whether there's, for, for people, whether I might be perhaps underrating some of these guys in the middle order. Like, I know um, Zaman, he's a, he's a class player. Uh, they've got big raps on Iftikhar Ahmed. And just wonder if some of these other names I'm, I'm underrating just because I, I haven't seen too much of them. You're possibly right. They're probably there for a reason. And I guess um, it might be, I mean, it can swing both ways, but it could swing the way where everyone's, um, yeah, underrated, the Pakistan squad. And, in fact, they all know each other really well. They all know how to play like a really solid team because that's all they've been doing. They've all been spending time like that. And all of a sudden they just, yeah, they just rip through everyone and, and they're super confident right now. So, well, yeah, it might be, um, yeah, 
I think it's some of that. And I think it's also just a reflection on, uh, I mean, if you go back to the, the last World Cup, I think Shaul Malik was in that side, who was around for a long, long time for Pakistan cricket. There's another name in there um, that I'm overlooking, but that, that also retired shortly, shortly after that World Cup. And I think... Mohammed Hafiz. There, there you are. So there, I think I think you, you take those two names out of the side. I think there's... Arnie and I were talking about this last week where the great thing about the IPL, the great thing about franchise cricket is it does expose you more to that secondary level of talent that is not being picked in squads, but locally is known to be uh, fantastic and, and being groomed, but perhaps you just don't see too much of it. Um, so I think... I think some of it is is that and not having that insight into the secondary level of talent and seeing that. I mean, you have the the Pakistan franchise cricket league, but you're not seeing them in the IPL. You're not seeing them a ton in in the big big bash. You're not seeing them a ton in the the blast. And where you look at somebody like a tick like a Daniel Sams, who who really hasn't been on the the Australian um, on the horizon to be on the Australian team. But we know a lot about Daniel Sams. We know a lot about what he can do, or somebody like like, like a Tim David. Um, I think there, there's a there's a, a large piece of that. that may, and probably that's why it's hard to call for Pakistan who the next man up after those three names you've mentioned, Brett. It's very difficult to say when Barbar goes down, when Rizwan goes down, who's the next man up? Who's going to take about scruff of the neck? Pakistan have seemed to prove a lot of people wrong in the past. I, th- I feel like growing up in the in the 2000s, they were viewed as a team that can't field and had a lot of infighting whenever things didn't go their way. I, I don't view them that way anymore. I think that they are a, a, a very tight unit who have an air of confidence about them that will get the job done. I, I just don't know who's going to do that job outside of Babar and, and Rizwan, but I, I, I think someone will emerge from that group and possibly be a, be a big name post-Asia Cup and post-World Cup. Well, my Sorry, concern... Can I post... Oh, go ahead, Brett. Sorry. I, mean, I was going to say, my concern... Just... Yeah. Yeah, no, for, go, buddy. Where uh, Pakistan is probably their next biggest strength, which is uh, their fast bowling attack. Um, Like India, missing their, their spearhead with Shaheen out of the side. Uh, but then, like, it's still a formidable attack with uh, sort of Harris Ralph and Nassim Shah, Craig's boy, Mohammed Hassanain, is uh, being called into the squad to replace Shaheen. Like, that's a genuine ace up their sleeve. They've got some guys who can really bowl and can really get the ball moving at pace. But I just I don't think the pitches are going to help them. Um, where India have the advantage of being able to go with a, a fairly strong spin-heavy attack. I mean, Usman Qadir is a, a very good bowler and so is Shadab Khan. It's not like they don't have uh, good spinners, but it, it's sort of taking away from what's probably their next biggest strength outside of the the Rizwan-Baba combo. Yeah, he's certainly an X factor in world cricket for a bowler, which is rare. I think he's up there in that upper echelon with the likes of Perhaps a a Mitchell Stark, a Boomer, Archer. Whenever he was playing, like I think those those are the kind of names that I I think of. Um, he can win a, he can win a game for you. Uh, and I'm sad to see. I think he's in a in a knee in a knee brace. Uh, I saw him in a knee brace. So 
I don't know, there's so, ma- so many injuries to world fast bowlers at the moment. It's kind of sad to see that you're not going to get a lot of the talent at the Asia Cup. And perhaps there's smoke and mirrors in the background where they're resting Boomer and they're resting Afridi a for the World Cup. I yeah. Mean, you've got the... I was going to say that, I mean, let's face it, they're going to experiment through this um, um, Asia Cup. And I think they'd like to win it. But I think there's a lot of experimentation going on. And probably holding a few cards up their sleeves. That's why I think Pakistan could possibly win the Asia Cup. Do you know what I'm saying? Because um, they might not show everything that they're, they're, they're planning. They're, they're hiding things out. They're, they're ready to fire. But I don't think they're going to, I don't know, I don't think they're going to let the cat out of the bag. You know, I just, that's how I feel. I think Asia Cup's a good warm-up. But I don't think I'll do everything to try and win it. Yeah. Well, if we're thinking about their chances of winning it, Arnie, I think that there's no, I don't think any of us have any doubts that, are, that India and Pakistan will progress out of Group A, Hong Kong yeah, and yeah. the other. So they're they're basically assured a place in the Super Four, and then we'll go into Group B in a second. But I would still bet, I would still expect both these teams to beat Sri Lanka, beat Bangladesh, and beat Afghanistan oh, yeah. Fa- fairly handily, actually, based on the squads they've put forward. So I think yeah. I think it comes down to. Uh, to a head, uh, on your day in the final, when I think it will be Pakistan versus India, do Babar and do Rizwan get the job done? I, I think yeah, it really right. comes down to that. That's that. That's the that's the question mark with victory. On on the reverse side, though, if Babar and Rizwan do perform and do get it done, I would still give India a shot at beating them in the second innings. Whereas if yeah. Yeah. if if Rizwan and Barbar don't get it done, I think it's India's for the taking fairly easily. In fact. Yeah. There's no rule. Again, not a lot of backup plans for Pakistan, but but maybe just based on our lack of true info on the Pakistan team. Sorry, Brett, go ahead, but mate. I was going to say, I think in that scenario, Pakistan would want to be chasing um, try and contain the Indian batting lineup as best they can and then know what the job is in front of Babar and Rizwan and then bank on some other contributions to write the way down the order. That's probably their thing that they're, they play as a good side and you watch their, a lot of their scorecards. They don't have too many people get out for, for not much. You get these little tens and fifteens and twenties tend to chip in the right, right the way down through the order. And the back end of a T20, like if you've got getting into the last five overs and you've got a set Rizwan or a set Babar at one end and then you've got these guys just coming in and being able to hit 10 off four or five balls, 15 off five balls, like those kind of things, yeah. You, like it it all adds up pretty quickly. It's a, it's the it's the, um, uh, the compound interest team. Every, yeah. little, every little piece adds up. Yeah. The You're right, and as long as they keep the strike rate, as long as they keep that strike rate high, then it totally plays out what Brett's saying. They're just little contributions of 10, 15 here, but at a high strike rate, all of a sudden they're always up up with the finish, finishing in the last over, right? Even if they're limping, not really limping, but even if it's eight out or nine out, yeah, you never, yeah. yeah. I think the, the other big piece of news recently was uh, Mohammed Wazim, who had impressed... In some of the uh, the more recent T20s, he's now an injury concern as well. So um, they do have something going on in their bowling unit there around their fast bowling and their 
um, and their seamers, that, that that could be a concern for them. But point to any team in world cricket and they have that right now. So it's kind of Probably got a lot to do with bowling on the absolute roads <laughs> in uh, Pakistan the, since they've been back playing in the country. Uh, they, those pitches haven't exactly been breaking up too much. It's, when I, I turned on and watched that series between Australia and Pakistan, Pakistan have have like a shade or a color of wicket that you never see anywhere else. It's gray. It's just like it's like it's legitimately looks like concrete. It legitimately has asphalt in it. Exactly. Yeah. Doubles as an airstrip, basically. When they say road. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, anybody else need to get any any thoughts on Pakistan before we move on to, to Group B, which is going to be a, a total lottery? Anyway? No. They'll make the final. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you have, we both have India. We all have India, Pakistan, both coming out of Group A and both making the final. Yeah. 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 I, I've only got one one smoky that, that might be able to throw a, a little spanner in the works. And we'll we'll get to them uh, in Group B. All right. Well, well, let's go into Group B and 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 don't keep us in suspense. Who's your who's your Smokey from Group B? Uh, looking at the side that they've rolled out and the squad that they've rolled out, I can't help but think in the conditions that are going to be presented that Sri Lanka just have the a little little sort of outside chance of being able to spring an upset purely on the strength of their spin attack. Like, they they could pretty much field a side. Like, Chimera's injured. They're going to field a side that's probably going to be very spin-heavy. It's going to be led by Hasaranga and Tikshana, who are both exceptionally good spinners, even more so in Asian conditions. And they're going to be out. Like, even the guys that are going to, bowl sort of medium pace in their attack. You're talking Karuna Ratna and um, who's the other fella? Um, Asalanka. They're, they're going to, like they're sort of all-rounders. So I think they're going to be able to go with a, a deep attack and like a very, a very deep batting lineup and a very spin-heavy bowling attack that is going to, Potentially cause some issues on on the right day on the right pitch. Yeah, so 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 you you had watched a good bit. So Sri Lanka Sri Lanka uh, had a series against Australia not that long ago. I didn't see a ton of it. When they gave the Aussies trouble, what was the thing that clicked? Because I I I've always viewed those Sri Lankan bowlers as incredibly effective, but for years and years and years they had a very very solid consistent top four or five. I mean, you think about the names like Sanath Jayasuriya, who's probably in an all-time Asia Cup 11. Sangakara, probably in an all-time Asia Cup 11. Jaya Warden. I mean, you could, uh, even Angelo Matthews, you could go through a few, but it, it, it seems to me the batting is a thing that doesn't click when they don't they don't win. They kind of get out, out cheaply and they don't have a total to defend. Is, is that what happens in reality? Yeah, yes and no. I think they... They're kind of in a similar boat at different stages in their development, but at a similar boat to um, India in terms of trying to play some more positive cricket. Where they've struggled, even when they came to Australia last summer or the summer before, 
and it had been I did it was an improvement that I noticed when we went over to Sri Lanka and, and played them there. The the rotation of strike and keeping the scoreboard ticking can be a bit of an issue for them with the bat. They've got guys who hit the ball and hit the ball very well now, like guys like Gunathilika Nisanka will set himself and try and bat most of the, the day, but Asalanka, Dustin Sharnika, they all hit the ball exceptionally well can score freely but if you can just tie them down a bit they don't have or they can struggle with the ability to keep the scoreboard ticking get bogged down play a silly shot then all of a sudden yeah you're in a bit of a hole and um can't quite uh, dig their way out of it but the depth without the i guess what you'd call pure top-end talent, like they don't have guys that are the class of your, your Sharmas, Coley's, Rizwan's, Barbara's arms. But they've built a, a reasonable batting order with, with some depth. Like they they don't fall away too quickly anymore in terms of they'll probably open with Nisanka and Gunathilika. You'll have Asalanka in there. You'll have... Um, Kusul Mendes, he he is in a, a rich vein of, vein of form. And the other one, Dinesh Chandamal, who sort of burst onto the scene, then faded away, is, has come back with this real sort of lease and life batting in the mid to lower order, yeah, almost playing a similar role to someone like DK and, and finishing innings. So they've got a bit of depth now. And even someone like Hasaranga is more than handy with the bat. Yeah. Um that without the the real top end talent, they've still got enough depth that uh, they they can put a score on the board. And if you you get them in the right spot, they do have some dangerous batsmen who can get away from you pretty quickly if you if you're not on the game. Mm. Yeah, I think you're. Um, is... Sorry, go ahead, Arnie. No, I, I was just going to say, uh, and this is the team that had to play qualifiers in the T Twenty World Cup last year, um, so. Um, are we saying or are you hinting that they may top Group B or do you still think like a Bangladesh may be there? I, I would expect Sri Lanka to probably top Group B, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Um, uh, no, I, was just, I, I think maybe to the casual casual observer that, you know, there, there are a lot of names on this team that maybe haven't been around world cricket for, for years. Shanak obviously sticks out as captain. Chandamil sticks out. Uh, Hasaranga is probably the most well-known name on that team. But I don't... I, 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 you're, you make a, a compelling argument from the bowling side of things. I don't think that any team can come up against Sri Lanka and say... If you think about their, their bowling attack back in the day with Murley and, and ODI cricket, there was almost just this idea of give him his 10 overs, take 40 for, give him 40 for one, and we'll have a great chance to win win this game. I don't think that you can do that with Hasaranga because Th- Thik Shana is a, is a top top operator. I think he can really hold himself well. Hasaranga is obviously the big name on the on the team sheet, but I think they do have eight to twelve good 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 overs of spin in their team where you will have to attack somebody like a Hasaranga. You will have to attack somebody like a Thik Shana. So I think that you're right. They they have the opportunity to upset teams. In the, in the Super 4, I think they will be the team that India and Pakistan will be concerned about. But if they get those 
fantastic eight overs out of Fikshana Hasaranga that they, they could win you a game for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah good point. Good insights, guys. Um, anything else on uh, on Sri Lanka then? Um, no, not not really. Um, as I said the I will probably get to it a little bit later, but um, yeah, some I think they they'll need spinning conditions. Like they won't want just these flat, slowish pitches that you you might be fronted with over there. They'll need to they'll need the pitches to take some turn, uh, so that they can play to their strengths. Like they're they're in their element where they can play three to four frontline spinners and then supplement it with some some medium pace bowlers. Like if they're if they're in a scenario where they can open with say Karuna Ratna bowling some medium pace and uh, Teek Shana, and then go to to Hasaranga. And maybe someone like Jeffrey Vandersay, they'll be very happy. It's uh, if they're forced to to rejig the team too much and and bring in an extra couple of medium paces or medium fast bowlers, particularly without Chimera in the squad, that's where they're they're not going to be comfortable and they they're going to be exposed in terms of yeah okay Hasarang is a good bowler in pretty well any conditions. Same can be said for Tikshana, but if they have to bowl, if they're sort of forced into bowling 12 overs of medium pace, I don't think they've got the, the depth or the top-end talent in those stocks to to cause any real concern for, for any of the, yeah. uh, well, either of India or Pakistan. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is that if we say top three and say Sri Lanka's in that top three, Sri Lanka are more um, at the mercy of the conditions, you know, pitch, um, like you say, if it's not spin friendly, um, they're going to struggle, whereas you've got more versatility with uh, the India and Pakistan squads. So you're right. On the day, on that day, like you say, Sri Lanka might have a spin friendly pitch and they might just pull off that upset. But if it's not there, maybe... The one I've got, uh, primed for, I think he'd be in for a big tournament just in that kind of all-round role and, and could be the that third or fourth spinner for Sri Lanka. It'll probably be the third if they have to play the extra pace bowler or could be a fourth if they go with a really spin-heavy attack. Dan and Jaya De Silva, he's been in some pretty good nick with the bat, but bowling more than handy offies as well. Okay. He's probably the one that I I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out of the Asia Cup with a bit of an enhanced reputation. Who's the um? I'm forgetting the the name of the team sheet escapes me, but there's a bowler that's been added that kind of has that Lassith Nalinga action. Oh, um, Patharana. Patharana. That that's who that's who I'm. I mean, speaking uh, speaking purely on entertainment value. Uh, I would I would like to see a bit of Patharana for that for that reason. Uh, just kind of the, the second coming of Lasseth Malinga. Um, <laughs> Reincarnate. Exactly. It is, yeah. it, that action is like Malinga on steroids. Like it is way lower than Malinga's action ever got. Oh really? Like he's <laughs> like Malinga was very low. This guy is legit just ninety degrees. Like it's there's a couple where it almost looks like he's underarming the ball. 
But he didn't come. He didn't. He didn't go through the school of overarm coach bowling, right? <laughs> yeah. he, he went through the school of I've grown up watching Lasith Malinga crush people's toes, and I'm exactly. going to bowl exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward it. to lots of slow motion replays of the ball <laughs> looking like yeah. a flying saucer with like the seam on the side, you know, like always going like a like a yeah yeah an equator of the ball. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Arnie. No, no, go, go for it, mate. Go for it. Yeah, go for so, it. Well, we move on to, to a bit of Bangladesh then, who had a little bit of a tough time in, in Zimbabwe. Uh, they come under some heavy heavy fire from um, uh, Sikandar Raza, who was just performing some incredible individual performances to help Zimbabwe uh, win that series down there. Now, they didn't have uh, Shakib Alassane, who is an incredibly important player for them. Um, I I think, in my opinion, that uh, Bangladesh are probably coming in with more baggage than they want. They wanted to after having after having lost that series, and yeah, how do you rate their chances? Because I, I I agree with Brett that I think Sri Lanka are going to get out of Group B, either in the probably as the, as the top seed there. I think that it's closer between Bangladesh and Afghanistan than some folks would. Imagine. I don't think Afghanistan deserved to have that air of um, being a pure minnow nation anymore. Um, they do have some top performance performers. So, uh, do, do we do we rate Bangladesh's chances coming out of that group or, or Afghanistan's? Maybe we'll start there. I feel I feel they're all three very close teams. I, I, I just without looking. I mean, again, without looking at the squad list, I just my vibe of the three. I just think they're all very close. I mean, I, I'm surprised because Sri Lanka was trying to qualify last last year or the last World Cup, and now um, they're, they're just blasting through. But they are they they are solid. But I feel Bangladesh might get get through. Um, that's my feeling. Um, not so much Afghanistan, but that's just a feeling. I don't have any any stats. So you guys are the great insights. I don't have any of that. <laughs> just it's just my vibe. Yeah, on paper. Like Bangladesh still have some good pieces there. Like there are some some good players and and some players that some people out there might not be super familiar with. Like everyone knows mm-hmm. Shakib and how he is essentially the the genuine sort of talisman of Bangladesh cricket. Like when he's in the side, they they all walk taller. Um, he just has that uh, up genuine uplifting effect on the side, but like. You got Mustafiz Rahman, Haiti mm. uh, Hassan, Miraz, guys like that who are genuinely good players and and do make a little bit of a mark around the world. Mama Jula has been around for a while and is a a nice solid player, but I think they're in a bit of a transitional period. And while they've got these players, they might get some some good individual performances out of certain players, but unlike someone like Pakistan who play very well as a team, I just I don't think they've got that synergy to to really perform when it matters. And I, I was kind of reading a few articles sort of through the week and uh, the headline, one of them was uh, something about Shakib uh, isn't, isn't aiming to win the, the Asia Cup just wants to see the 
the trend improving from where it's been, basically, because they they have been terribly disappointing through their their last couple of tours, like Zimbabwe, the West Indies before that. They're mm. not playing great sides, and they're getting that says a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. blown off the park. You're right. That says a lot, which means maybe they just want to purely stick to the basics, which may be a bit of a revival for them. You don't know. Maybe that's all they'll do. They'll just stick to the basics. Don't care too much about the results. They just want to see each player really contribute and do the basics right. Don't know. Don't know. But that's a good point. That's, that's good insights, Brett. Yeah. Just when you, you talk about the transitioning, when you look at when you look at any Bangladeshi team over the last little while, there always have been those two to three big names on it. Shaggy Palasan. Tamim Iqbal was one of those guys who is obviously not in this in this squad, so you're you're right. You you see those those hallmarks of of the team kind of trying to to move on. I think that they'll be familiar enough with their opposition, which sometimes helps when you're going through a bit of a transitional period. And uh, again, the pitches that we should get in the UAE should turn, should be shorter boundaries. Um, again, conditions that all of these teams are used to, but. Uh, again, offers a bit more familiarity. If there was a World Cup tomorrow in England, I think Bangladesh would be in big, big trouble. Um, I think conditions matter more for them, given some of this transitional talent that's that's coming into their side. Yeah. So now we've got uh, Afghanistan as the the last member of Group B. Yeah, so I'm going to put my my head on the chopping block. I think Afghanistan yeah. are go, are going to come out of come out of Group B along with Sri Lanka. Um, I think similarly to what we said about Pakistan, they are a unit that's been around each other a lot. They're still coming out as a as a a nation that's only recently transitioned to be to be a test nation, and probably the only one that's playing like it deserves to be a, a test nation. Um, out of out of Ireland and the two of them. They have uh, been around each other a lot. Uh, they have three or four good quality players, one absolute superstar in Rashid Khan. Mohammed mm-hmm. Nabi, I think, is also, you could argue, maybe not a superstar, but is definitely a star on that side. Zazai, uh, names, names like this, like those, I think, when they, when, when they look at their, their playing 11, I think they'll be confident of what that playing 11 is. And they'll be confident of the approach that they want to take. Rashid Khan is going to be key to them in the conditions. Um, Mohammed Nabi is going to be, again, key to them in the conditions, but also in terms of contributing with bat and ball, he's been phenomenal. And with people like Zazai and Gorbaz up the order, um, they do have that ability to, to destroy an attack. To destroy an attack, they have a few of these guys have hit 50s in... 20-something 20 some, 20 balls, 22, 23, 24 balls. Um, so I, I think if you're looking for them to beat a team, I think they have the opportunity to beat them handily, get a good net run rate. And I think that Bangladesh, are, if I was a Bangladeshi coach, I'd be a little bit worried about this this Afghanistani team for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more there. I actually think this will be the tournament that... Uh, Afghanistan really announced themselves as stepping out of that uh, minnow 
uh, tag and sort of announce themselves that they can genuinely compete at a world level. Um, like you, all the players you mentioned, uh, you bang on the money. Someone like Gerbaz, I'm really excited to see. Hadratullah Zazai as well. Uh, even uh, Faruqi with the new ball, like we, they've got the players that we know about, but it's like they've already got this second generation or second wave of players that have have quietly come through their their development pathway and are, are ready to make their own mark as well. So it's not just a, a reliance on Nabi and Rashid to to do it all. Um, got Mujib, who should be. I still think in there playing 11, um, more so for the fact that uh, and more looking forward to the, the T20 World Cup in Australia and how well he bowls over here when he plays for the Brisbane Heat. Um, he's very, very, very good bowler, but uh, he's probably competing with uh, Ahmed for uh, like the young left-arm spinner uh, for, for that, uh, I guess, third spinner behind uh, Na'Vi and Rashid. They, they've had plenty of opportunity to get those guys game time as well, which I like. Uh, one of the, the downsides to having a team littered with you know franchise cricket players is that you don't have a lot of time to test out the likes of the Avesh Khans and the Arteep Singhs in the international setting, whereas Afghanistan have just come off of a five-day T20 series against Ireland, I believe they were playing against the West Indies before that. They that transition out of that that minnow status, which we've got to find a better word to use it because they're not. But uh, they they obviously had a lot of that cricket planned on the calendar before the decision was made. So they're still playing a lot of that ODI cricket. They're still playing a lot of that those lower nations and and have the chance to give those guys you've noted a game. So they lost the test series or not the test series. They lost the ODI, the T Twenty series against Ireland. But having watched a lot of that, the team was chopping and changing, and you could you could you could see that they were looking to get the the team the playing eleven settled down. And you know, Rashi Khan did not play all those games. Mohammad Nabi, I don't think, played any of those games. So they have they have depth and talent where they can they can compete against not upper upper echelon talent, but talent international cricket talent in conditions they're not typically familiar with. I I do think that they. They stand a chance of getting through to the the Super Four, and again, like we said with Sri Lanka, can defeat any team on their day if their top performers get going and they have a couple of extra folks chipping in. Let's say any team with Rashid Khan in it, you need to be wary of, particularly in the T Twenty format, and particularly in uh, Asian conditions. Like he is a genuine, genuine superstar, and. Um, and I think it probably says as much about their development in, in the fact that they didn't have, they don't have to go through the, the next round of qualifying in the T20 World Cup. They're, they're one of the, the top eight uh, that, that have genuinely qualified and made it, where the likes of Sri Lanka, the West Indies, uh, Ireland, Scotland, um. Singapore, I think, yeah, and, and one Zimbabwe, yeah. Zimbabwe and the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, they still have to go through the the final round of qualifying to make it into 
the Super 12 stage of the T20 World Cup. So, like, there, there is Sri Lanka and the West Indies in particular, and I guess to a lesser extent Ireland, are some teams that we we genuinely associate with being on the world stage at, at these World Cups. So to to beat them out to a qualifying spot is a, a big feather in the, the cap of these guys and what they're doing and, and how far they've come. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, okay, any final thoughts before we get on to talking about predictions? No, I think I've pretty much exhausted mine. Grand. Okay, so Arnie, who, we're going to go for who's going to win. Who's going to be golden bat and who's going to be golden ball? So golden bats, most runs, golden balls, most wickets. Yep. So Arnie, give us your winner and your your two guys, superstars of the tournament. All right, um, I'm going to go for Pakistan and um, golden ball. I'm going to go for Shahal from India and uh, golden bat. I'm going to go for Babar Azam because I think Pakistan will win it. I think those are going to be popular choices. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suspect that we had all three of those names on our short lists. Uh, Brett, what, yeah. about, what about you? Are you, are you following yeah. Super Babar? Um, I'll, I'll start off by saying, yes, I think so, but I'm, I'm going to go differently just for the sake of uh, a bit of variation and uh, not, us not all having the same thing. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going with India, um, Golden Ball, Ashwin and uh, Golden Bat. I'm going with uh, Coley. I think he's uh, due to return to form in a big way. That's that's interesting. That is interesting, especially Coley, mate. (laughs) And that was hard for me to say because you don't like him. I'm not a a huge fan of Coley the person. I respect the hell out of Coley the cricketer. Uh, well, I can't say I'm not a fan of Coley the person. I've never met the guy, but his persona on the field and just through a natural sort of competitive rivalry, I'm I'm not a huge fan of him, I guess, overall, but respect the hell out of the guy and him making runs is good for the game. The same with Ashwin. Can I ask I you a quick question? How, how, how much of that is because of his antics on the uh, around the test series in Australia, maybe about two. Oh, very, very much so. His, his general, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, probably his uh, relationship with Australia. Yeah, not, not even so much that his demeanour on the field. Um, he actually probably won a bit of more respect last time they were over. Even in the the World Cup with Smith and Warner coming back into the side and him trying to quieten down the. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Trying to quieten it down, the Indian fans like, yeah. Uh, actually, just, you're right. It it's probably a little bit of tall poppy syndrome kind of thing. Like, as a cricketer, respect the hell out of the bloke, but uh, he he probably just some of the the on field stuff just rubs you up the the wrong way a little bit. Um, but there's no doubt that him making runs is is good for the game. Oh, absolutely. It's good for cricket, for sure. Okay, well, I, I think I think that Pakistan or I think India are going to win. If, Sh- if Shaheen Afridi hadn't get injured, I would have been very, very tempted to pick Pakistan. I think that's just too big a loss. They don't have the, the depth of talent to replace a, a, an incredibly talented bowler like that. Um, so I think I'm going to go with India. On the golden bat, I'm going to go for uh, Rizwan. I think that he... 
is under the radar yet again after having a fantastic World Cup. And then for the golden, uh, the golden ball, I'm going to go for Hasaranga. I think that he's going to be he's going to get four overs every single time. I think his team are going to are going to be in a situation where they're chasing and have to be aggressive, and he may come into the uh, into the the game earlier than maybe some of the other spinners were. But I think the big question mark there is: Will he play more enough games, and will they get out of the? The, the group stages um, over Afghanistan and, and Bangladesh. But Asaranga is my pick for that. Can I throw one more sort of prediction on the table to, to get a, a sort of question without notice for, for you two boys? Who do you think, like who would be your pick to come out of this tournament um, with a, a bit of an enhanced reputation and someone that... Uh, been a little bit off the radar. Like we we all know about the superstars, but who's who's your sort of dark horse to get? Do you think could could well take the tournament by storm? Oh, that's a good one. Let's go for gonna gonna Thinica. I I let's go for for them. Um, Again, I think that there needs to be someone in the Sri Lankan setup that puts their hand. Like, if if there's, if there's a team that needs that kind kind of person to come out, it's going to have to be Bangladesh or it's going to have to be Sri Lanka. I think the other teams know what they're about. I think they know the um the sides that they would like to pick. I think they, would, they probably know all know their strategy going into the World Cup. But uh, I think Sri Lanka probably have more question marks around that World Cup squad after uh, the Asia Cup than. Than others, let's go for Ghana. Silica. Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, go for it. Go ahead, Arnie. No, no, no. I actually have no no idea. I only know really the superstars, mate. But <laughs> um, and and look, to be honest, the, the less superstars of India. I mean, I don't know. Like, there's some. There's a couple of players in the. We'll go with the Indian squad. The couple of players with the Indian squad that I just don't think seem to get as much press just because there's so many other rock stars, but. Like Ashdeep Singh and Bishnoi kind of gets a little bit of press, but not not a lot, just with the, all of them. But I'm hoping someone from Bangladesh, given how much of a um, how much we've said uh, about Bangladesh in in this podcast, I'm hoping a superstar rises from the ashes uh, from Bangladesh. Um, but I don't have a name, guys, other than the ones I mentioned in India. Yeah, okay. From Bangladesh, you're probably looking at. Someone like a an animal huck, okay, um, who who could put together some nice innings at the top of the order. Um, apart from that, there's uh, like the the names that Bangladesh are going to need to perform are probably the names that we we already know. Mm. For me, I mentioned uh, Dan and Jaya De Silva earlier. I think he bowls more than handy off spin. And uh, plays a pretty important role in that middle order, but the one that I really think could put the world on notice heading into the T Twenty World Cup is um, Tikshana. Watched a hell of a lot of him when Australia toured uh, Sri Lanka, and new ball, old ball, he's a threat. He's uh, got plenty, little bit of mystery about him. He's got a few tricks up his sleeve. I think these conditions are going to suit him very well. 
And with all the focus on like, teams going into, like Craig kind of mentioned, you're going to have to attack somebody. And with mm. all the focus on Hasaranga, I think he could uh, potentially be a little bit of a banana peel for some of these uh, batting lineups to go, okay, yeah. well, we, we, we're going to sit on Hasaranga, but we've got to go after Teek Shana. And he could make them look pretty silly. Yeah, and they all get out. Yeah, spot on. I think I think if there's a pace bowl, I think Naveen. I was just looking up the notes there. Naveen Al Haq for Afghanistan. I think he could. He's a he's a youngster. He could probably um, factor in uh, in somewhere. So yeah, well, that would be my pick from from a bowling standpoint. Somebody who with a bit of raw pace, youngster. Um, and as not a spinner, you know, I, th- I think there's a chance that folks focus so much on, on spinners that that th- there will be a, a pace bowler that comes out, out of this. And actually, the top teams don't really have, maybe with the exception of Pakistan and India in Bhuvanesh Kumar, don't really have a standout pace man. So at the end of the day, when we pick the or when the team of the tournaments announced, there will be a, an unknown name in that seeming spot, almost certainly. So yeah. I'll go for Anadine uh, Malhak down there. And just back on the, the essentially the India versus Pakistan sort of query, um, I will qualify my my India pick by saying if this was if this was the genuine T Twenty World Cup and it was in Australia, I would be going Pakistan one hundred percent. I think right yep. at full strength and being able to guys like Baba and Rizwan, well, they bat well in any conditions, but they will bat well in Australian conditions. And the the extra, I guess, to then be able to use their the next string to their bow, which is their their pace bowling attack. Um, assuming Shaheen was fit as well, and Bumrah would um, like if if they come to Australia and they roll out an attack that's got Harris Ralph, who has played in Australia quite successfully, Shaheen Afridi. Someone like Nassim Shah, who is just raw and exuberant and can be expensive, but can also genuinely rip a rip an attack apart. And then with the the support of Shadab Khan, Usman Khadir, I think their their side and their attack is actually pretty well suited to to Australian conditions. Agreed. Uh... About a month ago, they were my pick for the World Cup. I think that Shaheen Afridi presence in the squad is going to be so critical to them. Um, but we shall return to this discussion someday, for sure. As we, yeah. we <laughs> go yeah. to the World Cup. Um, okay, so we're about we're just over an hour in. So why don't we why don't we transition away from Asia Cup um, and yeah, start to wrap up. So typically on the podcast here, we do our six and outs of the week. So the six being the thing that's been good this week that we've seen the out being the thing that's not been so good um brett saying as you've been away for a little while why don't you give us your six and your out of the week sure and uh well actually looking back at my my notes here um my six and out are probably more from from last week than on the the pod that i missed but uh uh, in, in relation to my my previous out which was Meg Lanning dropping a hat-trick ball off Alana King. My sixth this week is Alana King actually getting a hat-trick in, in the 100 for the, the Trent Rockets women's side. Uh, it was a nice little bit of poetic justice to 
for that to happen again. Coincidentally, Meg Lanning was also supposed to play for the Trent Rockets, but uh, has taken an extended break from from cricket. But mm. it was it was a nice little moment for for her to to get that hat trick and uh, and the little she had a little tribute to to Warney as well. Um, my out, and we, we've covered it pretty extensively tonight. Is just injuries to fast bowlers, like cricket's a better better game when you've got your your spearheads steaming in and being able to bowl at the peak of their powers like India versus Pakistan is always exciting but taking Bumrah and Shaheen out of those sides is it does sort of dampen the the sort of anticipation a little bit like who didn't want to see Shaheen steaming in with a new ball bowling to to Rohit or yep. Coley or any of the the superstars in the Indian bowling, uh, batting lineup, and same the other way. Bumrah come steaming in bowling to to Babar and Rizwan. It just takes a little bit of a gloss out of that uh, that challenge. But uh, that said, I expect that both Bumrah and Shaheen would have played if this was the actual World Cup. Yeah, I think it's more niggle management and making sure they're cherry ripe for the World Cup. But if they had to play at the moment, I think they would have. I mean, yeah, Burma no. do, does have a history of of injury. Um, I I don't know how much of an inj- injury history Shaheen really has. I suspect you're right that it's it's load management, as they would say. But there's got to be some recognition that the amount of cricket these people are playing, these guys are playing just doesn't agree with their body. I actually, I talked to somebody not that long ago about the baseball scene in America and you have kids over here. He was complaining that soccer, because soccer is now a bigger thing with kids in America, it's a sport that's played year round. Whereas in the past you played basketball or baseball in the summer and you played football, American football for for the boys in uh, the winter. But because football was an all-around sport, the top, top-tier talent was going to places like Florida and playing all year round. And so the other sports noticed this, and then baseball caught on and went, well, we can do that. We can send people to Florida. We can have our top-tier talent play all year round. And you have a lot of uh, young pitchers, like bowlers, getting surgeries extremely young in their career. We're talking 16, 17, 18, to just get it over and done with. It's just they have this surgery here called Tommy John surgery. It's going to happen. Just get it over and done with, and uh, you'll you'll come back. And I think that we're seeing something similar in international cricket, where these these guys are picked up at those ages and they they play cricket all around the world. And and whether it's a development of the bodies or there's a, I mean, the cricket bowling action is not exactly natural. Um, it's worrying. Yeah, you you want to see these guys more often than you are currently seeing them right now. Yeah, and everybody's bodies have different thresholds, and we're seeing the ones that are more exposed break down. So, yeah, and don't forget the mental health aspect as well. But sorry, Brett, go ahead. Hundred percent. The the other one, the that's kind of probably the poster boy for injured fast bowlers is uh, Jofra Archer. Like everyone wants to see the dude get on the park and and do what he did in the the short bursts that we actually got to see from him. But uh, he, every time it's looked like he's on the way back, he, there's there's a flare-up and he's uh, 
he's out again. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, okay, Arnie, what are your six notes of the week? Um, I kind of, I, I also wanted to mention the Alana King hat trick, but um, I'm going to go with a couple of others that are less uh, cricket related and a little bit off of the last podcast, to be honest. So my six is. Um, I managed to get back to my streaming and ticked a few boxes there, so I'm really pleased about that because that's like a big deal to me. Um, settling in a little bit more here in uh, my new city, and I got my suitcase back, so I've got clothes and things that are a bit more civilised, right? So that's my six. My out is um, a typhoon just swept through here in Hong Kong, so that wasn't fun. Um, and uh, the fact that... Um, been out of work for a while so i'm lacking funds for things like nft projects and and their drops and stuff like that but you know job hunting is progressing and all that but that would be my outs just the the whole typhoon and needing to needing to to get access to more funds so i can keep enjoying um life the way that it should be enjoyed right mm -hmm. so so there my six and out had you nothing been, too flash had you been in a typhoon before arnie oh yeah look typhoons i guess another word for cyclone and i grew up in darwin again in the tropics so i've encountered and gone experienced quite a number of cyclones so it's um it's fine i don't get spooked by it but yeah they're not fun things uh, because you know it just everything goes into shutdown basically so yeah no so to answer your question yes so i've been through um strong winds before <laughs> Um, okay, um, I'll move on to mine. So my six out of the my six of the week. It's actually a bit of a an Aussie Irish mashup. This one, my six of the week goes to a, a wallaby called Winnie, who after arriving in Northern Ireland, where I'm from, uh, escaped from her enclosure at a town near Oma, and was on the run um, for a couple of days. But thankfully, they they caught her around. I think it was like midnight. They I don't know where they found her. Uh, and she's <laughs> since been happily reunited with her companion Jeffrey. So shout out to Jeff, <laughs> Jeffrey, and Winnie in Ireland, the two wallabies. I don't know why they brought them. Come up with this stuff, right? I, I don't know. <laughs> if you were a wallaby, I actually was thinking about this. If you were a wallaby and you're, you know, darting around in the outback, the last place you want to be is Northern Ireland. It's, it rains consistently. It seems miserable. It's like Absolutely. it's kind of the reverse kind of. Uh, it's kind of the reverse kind of sending the prisoners down to Australia back in the 1800s. They're not sending them up to Ireland for punishment. Um, maybe Winnie was looking for the local rugby match. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I had the picture of a wallaby um, sort of going full Lord of the Rings and just going, we're going on an adventure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. It's actually yeah. not, uh, and the reason I brought this up is that it's not the first exotic animal that we have lost in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, because whenever I was going up there, I was 15 or 16, uh, somebody lost a, a panther. Like, they, and they never, like, they never found it. <laughs> there were people coming from all around the Ballyboogie panther going into forests, going into marshland, looking for this mysterious panther. And they never they never find it. So it's either still out there terrorizing sheep and cattle, or uh, maybe it maybe it migrated to the south of Ireland somewhere. So anyway, uh, that's my six week. And then my out of the week is uh, you might know that there's a uh, a conservative leadership election going on in the UK uh, at the moment. So there's two candidates uh, to replace Boris Johnson, uh, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. Now Rishi Sunak this week was you know at was doing a, a nice little fluff piece with the uh, 
I think it was the Daily Mail to try and make himself uh, more relatable. And so how could, how could you be more relatable than asking someone what their favorite meal at McDonald's is? Um, so Arnie, what's your, what's your favorite meal at McDonald's? Um, they don't actually have it here in uh, Hong Kong, believe it or not, but I do like a quarter pounder combo meal. Arnie, Arnie that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Brett, what's, what's your favorite McDonald's meal? I'm not going to go too different here. It is the quarter pounder combo. Exactly. They occasionally rotate with the Big Mac. Exactly. Maybe way in a Big Mac and a Coke. Well, poor old Rishi Sunak was asked this question, and he said that he his favorite item on the breakfast menu is the breakfast wrap. Now, aside from being a bit of a, a crap answer, the breakfast wrap hasn't been at McDonald's for three and a half years. So <laughs> the whole thing about trying to be more relatable, he, he should have just said the Big Mac. So, yeah. Uh, I would have said the Big Mac. Yeah. It's, don't try to be fancy, Rishi, you know. Nobody Even knows. the filet o fish is still on the menu. I really thought that's where you were going with that. If he said the filet of fish is his favorite, I was going to send him an email or something and just. But the breakfast wrap, three years. Election losing material. I, no, even if, if you're going for the. Like, if you're going to McDonald's for breakfast, even, it's got to be a sausage and egg McMuffin or an egg McMuffin. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Anyway, we we'll even just have kind of the bacon and cafe coffee, and I'd, that's it. That's all I'm going to have. At least he can't stuff that up too badly. Everyone likes the coffee, right? Everybody likes coffee. Everybody likes a McMuffin. Everybody likes a Big Mac. You know, I don't know. Yeah, he he really, you know, screwed the pooch on that one. So that's my. Could have he found the smallest way of screwing it up. <laughs> What'd you say, Brett? Yeah. He could have picked literally anything on the menu except for the fillet of fish and <laughs> been okay. Yeah. He'd pick something that's not on the menu. <laughs> which, is, yeah, which, is still, which is still in your books better than picking the fillet of fish. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> the fillet of fish is actually my, my father was favorite item on that menu, so I'm gonna have to tell him that it's unacceptable. We're gonna have to cr- cr- yeah. make some corrections, Brett. Just let him watch the podcast. <laughs> That's it. That's it. May win the may, may win the election. He might talk about cricket. That might help. Yeah, true, true. Um, okay. While we're talking politics, is anyone across, across the uh, the story with the prime minister from Finland who uh, likes to go and uh, party? <laughs> Perhaps a little bit too much. Yeah, and uh, I. I kind of felt sorry for her at first. I kind of had this like, oh, just leave her alone. She's just trying to party. But she was she was fairly, with the the risk of sounding quite old, barely getting on down. Um, yeah, she was <laughs> she was having a good time to herself for sure. I'd I'd vote for her. I I, I think that's more that's certainly more relatable than eating a food. More relatable, more relatable. A personality that's uh. It's like an accountant with a personality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, that was a, a little self burn for any of I our viewers. <laughs> don't know that I'm an accountant, so. The numbers, man. Um, all right, do we have any, any final grievances to air before we move on? No, okay, so uh, let, why don't we wrap it up there? Listen, thanks to everybody for listening. That was our Asia Cup preview. Uh, didn't expect to get in the realms of talking about paleo fish and uh, uh, that kind of stuff, but that's what you—that's why you listen. So, 
thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon uh, with more material. Um, Arnie, Brett, good to chat to you guys. Catch you later, guys. Thank you, Thank you guys.